You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 86, Community Engagement, Volunteers Matter. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, I'm so excited for our guest today uh, for a few reasons. One, she goes to our church and I've uh, known her for a few years now. and She's just a very cool person. But even more so than that, she's someone who's been a huge contributor to this effort to end human trafficking, not only here locally, but really around the globe. And so uh, I'm going to let you introduce her, but uh, I know we're going to all learn a lot from her perspective. Well, you know me, Dave, I am all for getting our community engaged. And so um, helping volunteers find ways to make an impact locally and beyond is a goal. And so I thought it would be great to interview Bobby Dowderman and see how she accomplished this ability to find what she was good at, volunteer, and make a difference. And Bobby, um, you are so welcome on our show today. Thank you, Sandy. And um, I think when we first met, I was the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force Administrator. And That's right. I remember going to speak to your group. You were, I was invited to speak to Women of Vision. And you guys were doing some great work that you didn't even realize was prevention in human trafficking. And so uh, one of the first things I found you putting your hand to do was prevention in your own backyard. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, Sandy. Uh, First of all, I'd like to say... As we'll talk today, uh, you'll realize I've had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to travel and see things on a global perspective. But you know what? I really believe while we think and care globally, we have to act locally. And my involvement with Women of Vision brought me to a project where I felt I could act locally. And that's the Shalimar Learning Center over in Costa Mesa, where it's extended learning after school for children that are educationally at risk. They don't have, while their parents care very much that they go to school and get an education, they're not very able to help them with their homework. They live in situations where they can't go home and have a quiet place to do their homework or maybe even have anyone help them. And I know today parents are very involved with their children's getting their work done. And so as a volunteer, I felt I could be a part of this community in the learning center with these children that come every day after school with their backpacks and homework that they need help with. So what kind of skill set did you have to have to be that kind of volunteer? Well, you know, Sandy, it's interesting because people will say when they know that I've lived in Latin America and I speak Spanish and such, and I did teach school for a while, they go, oh, you've got all the skills, you can do this. But I'll say, you know, that doesn't matter at all. It really means that you you care about kids, 
you have a heart for them, you sit down just like they would be your child or your grandchild and try to give them some help. And that's where it really counts. Uh, Particularly, I work with the younger children because I feel this is where I I feel so important to get them engaged at a young age and see that go through. But um, anybody who, who really cares about these these children could come in and and do this really. So we're going to put a link to Shalimar on our on our show notes so that if you're interested in becoming a volunteer locally here in Costa Mesa where Vanguard University is that you'll be able to find out how to um, get involved there. Now you did take this even further than our own community. Um, You went to Washington DC. What can uh, a local volunteer from from um, Orange County, California, do in Washington, D.C. to fight human trafficking? Well, first of all, they can, they can inform themselves a little bit on what there is always some legislation going on at the federal level that deals with the issues of trafficking. And we, through Women of Vision and Connections with World Vision, have, they, they've been very good at keeping us updated on what that is. And what we can do, we don't even have to go to Washington, D.C., but we can connect with our federally elected officials, our senators and our representatives. And on Timely, we, we try to give updates on what's happening legislatively. And it can be as simple as picking up the phone and giving a message to the local congressional office here or in Washington, D.C. And I've been involved with this with Women of Vision and uh, encourage people to do this. And it's really interesting. I think there's a lot of hesitation. Oh, my goodness, I can't do this or I can't go there or that. But I must tell you, when, when friends have gotten engaged or said, yeah, I'll give it a try, I've gotten phone calls back or messages back saying, oh my gosh, that was easy, or oh, I got to talk with them, and, and this and that, and you, it's just an empowerment to feel like you can make a difference in that way. They may not vote the way you want them to, but they need to hear your voice, because the more voices that go out on phone calls and ish, on, on this issue, that makes a big difference. And And that's one of the things that I've discovered in my battle and my work on anti-trafficking is um, our voice from a local perspective is important and our leaders want to hear what we think and we drive the emotional impact and the energy to provide more services for victims and more services for law enforcement that are battling this. And we also build um, uh, pathways between those those people who are the decision makers and our local community. And I remember you came back from um, a faith-based um, event uh, that was sponsored out of the, the White House faith-based office uh, some time back. And um, what I loved about your report was that you felt you had actually contributed to the, a national perspective on how to get involved because you shared the model of our Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force with the other people at that particular conference. Can you 
tell me what that conference was because I don't remember and what oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, that was the, uh, the faith-based um, White House Summit, Global Summit on Human Trafficking. Okay. And it brought together people from across, about 100 people from across the country representing various organizations, either faith-based or community-based that are working on trafficking issues. And uh, it was really interesting to come together with people from across the country because, Sandy, working with you and the Orange County Task Force, I felt that, you know, I re- I, a lot is happening here in Orange County and in a very good way in terms of how we organize and how we're connected nationally as well. And it was uh, to meet other people doing working on the same issues, but sometimes a little differently, you learn from each other. And um, it, it was really heartening to see what's happening because this is an issue that 10, 12 years ago was hardly on anyone's radar. And today the awareness is, is really starting to build and we have to do this in coalition. Good, good. So tell us then how you got involved with the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. Well, um, I got involved, I believe um, I was working on the human trafficking issue through the encouragement of World Vision because I, I do a lot of work on advocacy and the major issue on advocacy for World Vision was the tra- the. T- TEPRA, I know maybe most people don't know what that is, but Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. It's something that a number of years ago, Congress easily, easily uh, confirmed. Both repo- It's a bipartisan issue. But in our divisive Congress in the last couple of years, it turned out that when this bill came up for reauthorization, it it just got held back and it wasn't voted on and it really needed to come to the floor for a vote again to reauthorize and world vision brought women of vision together from across the country for an advocacy conference in washington dc and spent a couple of days talking about this the importance of this issue and the and at the end of the time we all went to the hill and talked to our congressmen and what came out of that was we were able to encourage uh, sponsorship in the Senate with Barbara Boxer, who happens to be our senator here, and a Republican senator who would help co-sponsor. And within two weeks of that conference, we finally got um, it got it got reauthorized. This was this. Excuse me, I have to go back. We had two conferences, two year, different years in a row, and it wasn't until our second. Um, second conference that we were finally able to push through this um, the um, help in getting this reauthorized and it really meant that it's people locally like ourselves that know something about it and are willing to talk about it and we can go and do it and um, so that's how I got involved. Okay. <laughs> oh, and then what I, I wanted to say having learned about human trafficking and all of its issues you come back home again, think nationally, think globally, but what do you do locally? Well, we came back home and said, we're not going out in the street looking for people that are trafficked, that we knew enough that that wasn't our role. Well, how can we engage? What can we do? And that's when I learned about the Trafficking Task Force, Sandy, and what, what you are doing. And it has been just so helpful 
to bring together people in our communities and learning from each other, learning who's doing what and what roles we can play. Because again, as I said, we can't go out and find trafficking victims, but we can do a lot to um, help um, raise the awareness for this, the education for it, and, um, and act. So Bobby, as a part of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, uh, you've been a key collaborator to bring back knowledge and information to the organizations you represent, like Women of Vision and your church. So tell us a little bit about how that works as a volunteer. Okay, um, I am a part of a advocacy subgroup with Women of Vision and also on the Peace and Justice Committee, which has a subgroup on human trafficking at my church. And I represent, uh, by going to the task force and bringing some of the people that are involved in those groups to the task force, we've been able to raise our learning and awareness about the subject, as well as finding, meeting other people who contribute uh, from other churches, from community service providers and organizations, and how we might be able to support these issues. We know we can't go out in the street and go looking for victims, but what can we do? And we have provided uh, forms and speakers regarding various issues of human trafficking. We've shown some movies through the last couple of years. And we've also done some fun things like we have gone to the Orange County Fair and helped to staff the volunteer, the booth representing the, the task force at the fair and being able to talk to people who come by about human trafficking. Yeah, um, let me but, let me just interrupt and, and tell you congratulations because I heard for the second year in a row, the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force booth at the Orange County Fair won first, first, first prize. First place. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we were, uh, it's interesting because we were placed between the, the Republican and Democratic representative parties, and everybody recognizes that human trafficking is a bipartisan issue. And so we could all talk. And oh, that, that was really interesting. Um, we've done other things where we've come together. Uh, there's been uh, one of the large churches here in Orange County has helped to sponsor a big event called Freedom, where they, I think they've had up to a thousand people attend on an evening with representatives again from all the different parts of, from the task force and um, local groups that, that are doing this. And, and they come together in celebrating what they can do. And this is really inspiring. Um, We've also helped out on campuses when they have their clothesline project where they have these t-shirts that are made by college students who have had issues that have led to, um, some of them have been involved in directly in human trafficking and some of them have been involved in other situations that, that certainly make them vulnerable. So um, it, it's very eye-opening to be able to do these things. and. We also have an opportunity if we want to get more involved with the victims, the task force provides a very good all-day training so that those of us who have gone through that training have a, have a very good awareness of how, if we are working with victims, how we must and can interact, what we can do, what we can't do, and understanding that. So there's been a lot of guidance provided by the task force and um, you know, the issue is awareness is really growing here and 
Um, I think people are very excited to have this collaboration. And um, I, I don't know of any other group, in, task force in the country, that is doing quite what you have started, Sandy. Well, I'm, I think you're an excellent example of a, a community engagement model that creates opportunities for volunteers to do meaningful um, work. And it, it just grows because the more volunteers that are involved, the better our outreach is. And the fact that we have been able to do the booth at the fair for five years in a row um, that's a that's an incredible feat that could not be accomplished without great volunteers. But Bobby, you've gone way beyond just Orange County. You've had um, some global impact. And before we wind up, I want you to talk a little bit about um, your work with supporting and encouraging and building strategies for education um, globally. Well, I guess my uh, one of the areas that I have um, seen a lot of is I've been able to travel to some of World's Visions projects in the world, and one of the countries that we this our local group supports are projects in Kenya. And in Kenya, I have been able to visit several, and our people who have made trips there uh, have visited several of the schools that World Vision is involved with, and these particular schools. Uh, many of them are, or a couple of schools are only for girls. And I say that because girls are the ones who really need to be encouraged and have the opportunity to learn. So often in these countries, they might have to be spending their day walking for water or in some position, maybe having, they're forced or they become pregnant at an early age. They, they had issues of puberty and growing up and what we call FGM, female genital mutilation, which is against the law, but culturally and such, it still gets practiced. And so bringing these uh, girls together in education in high school, it helps them to um, see a new life and go beyond uh, the, uh, what, what their group's what their families have known and what traditions have brought to them. Um, and it, it's just been another issue that, or there's so many things that contribute to a girl's education in a community, whether, you know, when I mentioned that many of the girls in rural areas have to spend their whole day walking for water and with World Vision's help, they've encouraged the communities. Um, they eventually have brought water to the community. Very often it can be a water well. And uh, I just got some news yesterday from World Vision. A report has just come out commending the work of World Vision around the world with their water wells. And the reason they said this is that they went out and saw that these water wells are in just as good a shape as they were put in 20 years ago. And it's not because of World Vision's work maintaining them, it's because of the community. They've come together. They understand they own the well now. They have to maintain it and keep it right. And they have figured out various ways that they will do this and collect what small fees they need to make all the repairs and maintenance. And they said those wells are as good today as they were 20 years ago, which is a very great record. And this means that girls that we've seen in these high schools and such, 
can continue going to school. They don't have to go walk for water. And um, so that's a good example, I guess. Well, and the idea of providing secondary education for girls, building a school, um, I think if we could get that idea out there more, we've heard people tell us the answer to poverty isn't more money, it's education. And in, in the same way, the answer to early child marriage or really early teen marriage isn't isn't to um, pass more laws and and build shelters for for girls that are abandoned um the answer is providing education and so if you're going to build a facility build a school and fill the school and if you've got 200 girls going to school and preparing for college then you won't have to build a shelter to house them later when they're um, when they've been victimized. Yeah, and if I could actually arc back to Shalimar, where I work here locally, when that began, one of the things that's required, we, we have high school students coming, and there was a, there's been a special program as high school students come into the program. One of the things is to encourage them to stay in school, graduate, and for the women not to become pregnant. So often in mm. these communities, it, girls, again, can have an early pregnancy, which really derails their, their life in terms of where they're going as an adult. And here in the States, they need to have that high school education. They need to delay parenthood so that they can become, have a fuller life and um, be contributing citizens to our communities. Wow. So helping support education for girls, whether it's right here um, nationally or globally, is a really great volunteer impact on anti-trafficking. Um, Absolutely. I, I want to I close with um, kind of a personal um, relationship that you and I and my friends in at the University of Dehoek have had over the last few years. Um, and you met my faculty friends when they visited Rund? here in or yes, Dr. Rund, and we had we had a great opportunity to get um, become friends, and so that resulted in you and your husband Jerry actually visiting Dehok, visiting the Syrian refugee camps, and uh, I loved how you brought Jerry into the picture, and he was such um, a great advocate for these same issues when he visited and engaged with some of the the leading men in the community. So tell us a little bit, just a, a glimpse of that well, trip. Well, it, it really was a privilege to be able to go out and visit this Syrian refugee camp a year ago. It was, at that time, there were about 40,000. Today, I think we've got nearly 800,000 coming into the Dahok area, but we were seeing the beginnings of building this camp and meeting Fortunately, we were able to wander with a translator and down the streets of the camp. And some of these families, they invited us into their tents. It was just amazing. They were so welcoming. And one of the things, Jerry and I together, looking at this, we were very curious as to how, how a camp operates. And going into the tents, we were, we were able to sit with families, with fathers, with young children and moms. And these are people who were living what you'd consider a middle-class existence that had to flee Syria 
And now they're in these tents. The fathers were construction workers, painters, you know, they had really viable jobs. And they were men in their, say, late 30s, 40. And here they were in this camp with no work. Can you imagine what that does? Uh, they said they shared that they had gone out to look for work. They the camp is an open camp, and they can go into town and that sort of thing. But what they found is that while they could maybe get some work, they were being paid or offered such a penance that it was hardly worth their going out and doing this. So it has to build a huge frustration for them. And then, of course, meeting with the moms and the children. The moms actually have a huge role because they're the ones trying to keep the tents clean and the kids clean and and deal with uh, very, very primitive cooking situations and making sure that they're getting fed and, you know, the water supply and they all share a, a latrine on a whole bunch of families and the tent, tent situations. And so women really have a big role there, but the kids... There, wasn't, there weren't enough school spaces for them. There are not enough play spaces for them. And can you imagine the teenagers wandering around a refugee camp and at a loss with not much to do? So we really, our, our hearts and eyes were opened as we saw this. And as we hear the numbers today and see what's going on, it, it just, just breaks your heart. And those are exactly the kind of circumstances that increase vulnerability to being trafficked because people are right. desperate to get out. Um, you paint such an amazing picture of the challenges uh, that refugees face. And I, um, I can't imagine, you know, you just reported about 800,000 now, uh, a year and a half later. Um, how those resources will meet the needs of, of children and those teenagers. I can see them roaming around with nothing, no books, no opportunity to go to school, um, just trying to be safe and survive. Absolutely. Yep. And, yeah, um, I would also mention on, on the advocacy thing that is, uh, there's a, bill in Congress right now called Girls Count, and it's to uh, encourage countries to provide uh, a path, a, a sustainable registration for girls. So many girls do not have a birth certificate, and they become invisible to their governments. They're denied health and education. And so, again, here's another stumbling block. And can you imagine with the refugees? Yeah. You think they have... They, yeah. It, how are we going to to keep those girls safe, get them back on track, back in schools, um, back towards um, a future? And you're, yeah. you are a wonderful advocate, Bobby. I am so excited because um, you are one of our Global Center for Women and Justice finalists for our first ever Diamond Award. And I know you're like, oh, no, it's not about me. And I appreciate that about you. But what a shining example of a volunteer who matters. And you bring others with you and share what you've learned. And I see lots of happy volunteers in our community that came to the task force 
came to um, the events and got involved because they followed you. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Well, well um, it's my privilege to have this involvement and walk. And your work is not done, so we have a lot more to do. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, um, I, I want to take this time just for a minute to um, ask you, and I didn't tell you ahead of time, but would you tell us how the Global Center for Women in Justice and um, how we have impacted your education in battling human trafficking? Well, Sandy, you're the one that uh, it, it was through your connection that I came to know what you're doing with Vanguard. And I've just been so impressed with the programs that you're putting on there. I know about the ambassador program that you've encouraged with your students that are there going out to the high schools and, and trying to, to get the word out to um, high teenagers that sort of thing. When I'm over at Shalimar, I meet Vanguard um, students who are looking to have a teaching career or do something with kids, and they're actively helping us with our programs as well at at Shalimar. And I've always been impressed. I always love meeting the Vanguard students and talking to them and their engagement because I know that, um, you know, it's it's our faith as well. that If we didn't have faith, I think it would be very hard to have the hope and looking forward to what we do. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for being on our show today. And we will put a link to this podcast out there so you can share this with all your friends at Women of Vision, Bobby. And we will keep working together. If you want to um, find out more about what we do at the Global Center for Women and Justice, please go to our website, gcwj.vanguard.edu or email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu or call us. Yeah, you can reach us by phone at 714-966-6360. And you know, Sandy, it's so fun to be able to do the show and feature the wisdom of people like Bobby who are out in the world and in our local community doing things that really do make a difference for, for ending human trafficking. And it's, uh, it's so exciting to be a part of that. And we hope that you'll join that conversation as well. By the way, if you haven't already done so, visit that website, gcwj.vanguard.edu, and you can uh, join our mailing list and keep up to date on what we're doing. And thanks again from the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. Take care, Sandy. Bye, Dave.